After nearly two decades of battling with depression and suicidal thoughts, Dave Ebert made a life-changing decision to pursue God. He says, quote, at one point, I wrestled with this choice. I could take my life or I could give my life. I finally made the right decision and gave my life to the Lord, end quote. Shortly after this decision, Dave relocated back to Chicago in 2013 when he founded Well-Versed Comedy, an improv comedy ministry troupe. Doing comedy is his primary passion for reaching people, either to uplift or to encourage fellow Christians, or to bring light, laughter, and joy to non-Christian people. Most of his life, Dave covered his depression with humor. He used it to make others feel better while disguising how he truly felt inside. Dave often tells his testimony by saying, I used to use comedy to hide who I was, but now I use it to reveal who God is. On top of performing improv, Dave volunteers at an organization for women who have survived sex, tra sex trafficking. There he teaches improv to the survivors to help improve their communication skills, their creativity, their self-confidence, and if nothing else, give the women a chance to laugh without a care for an hour a month or so. He's married to his wife, Bobby, and they live together in Crest Hill, Illinois with their three feline friends. Enjoy our conversation today on the Encouragers United podcast. If none of that works, if I'm a horrible teacher and none of that works, at least an hour a month, they're getting to laugh like little girls, possibly for the first time ever, because sure. some of these women were sold into trafficking by their parents at very young ages. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Encouragers United podcast for this week. I have the great pleasure to introduce a new friend of mine to you, Mr. Dave Ebert. Say hi to everybody. Hey, everybody. I'm glad to be here. I've you know, listened to a few of your shows and uh, really have enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Dave is actually the founder and a member of Well-Versed Improv Comedy. You, That's right. There you go. You got it. And uh, Acts of Funny. I love it. And you are a podcast host yourself, and that's kind of how we got connected here. Your show is called Gifts for Glory. and uh, But, Dave, you're an overcomer. You got yourself... Uh, uh, quite a story, and I love it. And so, why don't you just share a little bit of the highlights of how you've ended up in the area working in improv and comedy? Sure, it's uh, it's all God's story. It's God's story uh, in and through me. Uh, all my life, I was somebody that liked to entertain and make people laugh, and uh, and basically, it was just, it became kind of a. And so, and I don't want to sound the bad, but it was kind of a drug, you know. I just love the feeling of seeing joy on somebody else's face. Uh, I started uh, when I was a kid. I would go with my parents everywhere, and uh, one of the earliest pictures that we used to have was an old Polaroid of me flexing like I was a bodybuilder because we were at a, a city pool that had a bodybuilding competition going on at the same time. So I, as two-year-old Dave, couldn't let my thunder be stolen, so I had to flex <laughs> and perform. And uh, so it, you know, there's just. It, that Polaroid is long since gone, but I just remember that picture. And I, when I first asked, I said, Mom, what's this picture about? What am I doing? And she explained it. And I was like, oh, okay, so I come by this naturally. <laughs> and uh, the, the humor went from being this pure thing to being a defense mechanism uh, through high school, college, and beyond because 
I entered into this really deep depression where I was I was looking for justification each day to justify why I'm still alive. What what's my purpose? Do I add value to the world? And if I could make somebody laugh, if I could entertain, uh, then when I got into pro wrestling uh, for a while, if I could have a good match and be part of a successful show, then now I had value. I had a reason that. I was here. I always believed in God, but I was spent all those years in depression away from him, uh, upset at God, cursing God, like, leave me alone. Just let me live my life. Stop interfering. And I was uh, I was really in a dark place, but I used humor uh, as a way to deflect so people didn't know how I was feeling. At the same time, it was a way for me to make sure other people weren't feeling the way I was. Because if I could do that, then I had the value to justify my existence. Mm-hmm. And uh, it uh, once I dedicated my life back to the Lord in 2013, that was when I realized that you know my humor, my performing, my love of being in front of people could now be redeemed. So instead of uh, – and the way I, I try to explain it is I used to use comedy to hide who I was. Now I use comedy to reveal who he is. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's how <laughs> I got into comedy. Oh, what a beautiful phrase. Oh, I love it. And and another thing, I read a quote that you, you know, shared in some of your bio stuff. And I want you to kind of spin this out for us is that you spent many, many years uh, thinking of, you know, ending your own life and taking and taking your life. Um, And there are many, many folks who are out there that struggle with this. And that's and that's why you're on the show today, because we want to talk uh, to you. Uh, and talk about the place that you were. But what what happened with you, as I've read your 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 background, is that you spent all those years contemplating taking your life, but there was this transition or this paradigm shift. Where you then now said, I could either take my life or I can give my life. Tell me about that phrase and what that means to you. Yes, uh, it really reached a climax at the end of uh, 2012, 2013. I was just, it, and it really seems weird to maybe say it, uh, especially if somebody's not not a Christian hasn't walked with the Lord, but I was at this this path where I reached this pinnacle where on the left side I could take my life and just end it, stop the pain, and just get it over. And the, on the right hand side it was like I need to give my life to the Lord. And it, there was a civil war, but looking back, there was all these different signs, all these different messages that God was like saying, "Come this way, come to the right." Um, my truck had gotten broken into twice uh, over the holiday season in 2012. The only thing I lost was the driver's side window that they broke in to get into the car. Uh, they didn't take anything. They didn't damage anything else. They're just shards of glass I was cleaning out for years. Um, and it was an inconvenience because I was only working part time and I had to spend 150 bucks on two different occasions for a new window. But all things considered, that's not a huge ordeal. Um, you know, I was uh, not able to move up from part time to full time on my radio station job, a job that I started in a full time position on the FM side on a um, on a country station. And they demoted me because uh, the general manager at the time uh, preferred to have a, a female uh, disc jockey at that point. So he moved me to the AM side, which was a, in many ways a huge demotion. But to show you how God works, that AM station was a, a solid gospel station. So even mm. in my misery, God was still pouring into me. And, you know, these are pastors that I wouldn't normally go to see because, you know, they're the Southern gospel, the, and the Lord, and the Lord. And it's like, 
you know, it's not what I would choose, but it was still the Lord was giving me messages and, and pouring into me, even though I didn't know I was receiving it. The mind still records and like, oh, OK, we're going to file that for later, file that for later. Um, so for a couple of years, I'm sitting behind a control panel operating a you know, a gospel station and the Lord is just pouring in that whole time. And, um, the real, uh, climactic moment was there's a Saturday morning. I lived in uptown, uh, Beckley, West Virginia, near the courthouse, a police station, not a lot of residences out there. Uh, so I was in an apartment building, 300 square foot apartment. It was tiny and uncomfortable because I'm almost 300 square feet myself. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so I'm walking to work this Saturday morning. I'm running late. Uh, I would live two blocks from the radio station. Um, and there's these two kids just happened to be out there from a Bible college. And they were passing out tracts. And uh, for those who don't know, a tract is basically a small comic book that's got a gospel message to it. So they're passing this out and witnessing and trying to pray for people. I blew them off. I I wasn't in any relationship with the Lord at that point, but I told him, yeah, yeah, I pray I'm good, but I, I'm late. I got to go. So I blew them off, but the seed was planted and I was like, okay, God is trying to reach out to me. God is trying to pull at my heart and make me go from that pinnacle to the right side of the mountain where I give my life. Uh, so from that point on, I started reading uh, Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life, hmm. and realized my purpose is to entertain and to use entertainment to reach people in a special way. Uh, so six weeks later, I'm starting my life completely over on my sister's couch in suburban Chicago, uh, having quit the radio station, moved up with what little I had, and just started completely over uh, in uh, March of uh, 2013. Wow. And so you're working uh, both as an improv artist yourself, a comedian, um, but I see that you're teaching improv as well. Tell us about that uh, that part of your life. You're actually an instructor and you're working with groups and with individuals. How, how did that start? Sure. Um, so most of my improv training is very uh, unconventional. I mentioned briefly that I did pro wrestling. So most of my knowledge of performance and improvising is from the world of wrestling because in, improv and wrestling are so similar. Yeah. Uh, in wrestling, you're in this theater in the round uh and you're incredibly vulnerable uh because most wrestlers wear very little clothing in the ring uh so uh there's this vulnerability and and there's uh potential for accidents potential for misses and also most matches are have a start a finish and like a story that they want to tell yeah you have kind of a start to the game. You have a story that you want to try to create and you know kind of how you want to end it. So you feed off the audience, you feed off your scene partner or in wrestling your opponent. And if it's going really well, sometimes it goes longer than expected. If it's going really poorly, you'll cut it off short so you can get to the next one so you don't lose your audience. So most of my training is pro wrestling. And um, so nowadays I, I, um, I try to take what worked for me and what taught me wrestling and how I learned it. And I don't use folding chairs or, or, or ladders or anything. Right That's now. good. That's good. <laughs> um, but right now I uh, offer improv as uh, two things, either for performance to help uh, either actors or want to be improvisers and help them develop those skills. But the one I'm most excited about is using it as a ministry. Uh, I, 
one of the, the things that's been such a blessing to me is I teach improv at Salt and Light Coalition in Chicago. Uh, Salt and Light works with women who have survived sex trafficking. So once a month I go into Chicago or in uh, 2020, I've been doing it remotely. And I teach improv as uh, a way to improve communication um, tap into the creative cortex of the mind that has been shut down because the women I'm working with, they have been through literal hell on earth. Mm. Uh, they've been abused, neglected, tortured, bought and sold like you know, mm. property, uh, literal slavery. And uh, they're rebuilding their lives. They're carrying scars and burdens from that life. And so my job is number it, one of the, the biggest things that, that has to be said is, I, I'm a man being trusted to work with these women who have been abused by men, and that is not lost on me. I understand the weight of my responsibility as a man to be somebody that's safe, to come in and, and work with them in love and care and respect uh, with no judgment um, and to use improv as a way to tap into the, the creativeness and uh, to build ways to understand communication because part of improv is understanding that there's more than what's just being said it's body language it's facial features it's the stance the the countenance so for these ladies they're actually learning how to recognize what people mean more than what they're saying so that is yeah that's a thing and, and like i told you uh and i mentioned if none of that works if i'm a horrible teacher and none of that works at least an hour a month they're getting to laugh like little girls possibly for the first time ever because sure. some of these women were sold into trafficking by their parents at very young ages hmm. yeah that is so that is such a tragedy but here you are you you put your head down and you run right into it with what god's given you which is the ability to laugh and to hopefully bring cheer to some people that really need it but at the same time you know really uh teaching a life a life skill so that's awesome um you know, as a Christian person, I think, uh, you know, my background is is in athletics and in education and, you know, now as a as a musician, as a worship you know, leader mm -hmm. to integrate faith into an art like that uh, or into a performance. Have you ever felt like being a Christian, especially in comedy or, or especially improv and, and stand up comedy? Is that a limit? Is there a limit on you because you're a Christian? Well, the way I look at it is this. We serve the ultimate creator and we're in his image. So we are in no way limited because he's not limited. Uh, and I know that some will think that, well, you can't curse. You can't talk about this, that or the other thing. Why do we need to? I mean, there, there's a legitimate need to protect the marriage bed. We shouldn't talk yep. about those sort of things, uh, except if you're at a Christian marriage council. Yeah, conference. there you go. Uh, my wife and I, we do some improv together, and there, you know, there's opportunities there for us to address things within that context of being married couples together talking about marriage. Yeah. But in general, that stuff's just not necessary. And yeah. it's so abundant and so available that we don't need to. And we found that, and I found that by being different, that becomes really attractive and and here's the thing, um, when we're doing our comedy, no one has to pause and look to make sure it's okay to laugh. Uh, we've been in situations where we've performed, we've performed at a bar uh, at a comedy night where each comedian before us, they were doing their stand-up, 
They were progressively worse and vulgar and sexually charged. And each punchline would have that split second pause where you'd see people were wanting to make sure it was okay yeah. to laugh before they did. We go up there, we do some clean improv comedy that's just pure and and there's no judgment, there's no questionable content. And we got the loud, and I don't say this to boast, but I say this to boast in Christ that we got the loudest reactions because there was no need to hesitate. If you saw something you appreciated or recognized, you could just laugh. That's right. Yeah. And, and I, I'll always say that God is the ultimate improviser because when you're doing improvise uh, comedy, you're walking onto a blank stage and you're speaking and creating a universe with each motion, with each breath. That's what God did. He walked onto a blank canvas and he just created it by speaking. Mm. Uh, so God is the ultimate improviser, but I would not want to play zip zap zop with him. Could yeah. be kind of <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, that that would not go well for you and I. Um, you know, um, another question that I that I thought of that I would love to hear you just riff on is, is there's a Bible verse out there that says uh, and it's Proverbs 1722 really simple um, in fact I'm going to read it here for you from the ESV uh, the English Standard Version a joyful heart is good medicine but a crushed spirit dries up the bones and the as usual the Proverbs are so uh, vibrant with yeah. wisdom and could you talk to us about that verse and and really because I sense you have experienced this both in your own heart, your own mind, but you've you've now tried to share that joyful heart as good medicine with other people. Um, tell us how how you've uh, processed that verse in your life. Yeah, uh, it goes back uh, to my testimony of using comedy to help others feel better because when the, I saw people were feeling better, I knew that their cheerful heart they would it would be great medicine for them. And by kind of like this osmosis, I was able to draw some of that medicine for myself. And, you know, my heart was uplifted because I could see other people uplifted. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's that aspect. And also with teaching uh, improv to the ladies at Salt and Light, there have been times where I've walked in there and you could see that they're carrying the burdens of the world mm -hmm. uh, because just because they're part of this program doesn't mean that, finding a job, finding a place to stay, uh, battling with the court system, because women and anybody that's been through sex trafficking that's been used like that, uh, either their handlers or pimps, whatever you want to call them, force them into drug use to get them addicted so that they stay and they're under control or they use drugs and things like that as a coping mechanism because they feel there's no escape. So they have to numb the pain. Yeah. So many of them, because of that lifestyle, they have court cases, they have legal issues because of the life they were forced into. It's not any fault of their own, but unfortunately the court system doesn't have ways to look at the situation and kind of help them through. It's like, you did this, you have to do this, you have to do this now. So many of these women are coming in, uh, they're fighting for custody of their kids, they're trying to find a place to stay that's safe. Uh, they're trying to find jobs because with their records and because they're, they have nothing, they don't have the clothing or the look to impress to get a job. So it's like this whole vicious cycle of yeah. at least going back to that lifestyle they have money and food now they're trying to rebuild their lives so they're carrying these burdens and in that hour that we're able to laugh you see literally the burdens the weight crack and fall off they literally crack up because they come in and sometimes they'll look at you with this look that could kill 
because they just don't want to fool with anybody right now because they, they're carrying everything on their shoulders. But a couple of improv games, a couple of laughs, and all of a sudden, everything's on the floor and they're laughing, they're relieved. So it, it's literally the best medicine is to, for me and I know for them is to to laugh because – and there's a great comedian that I really enjoy. I love, anytime I see him having a special, I try to watch it. Uh, his name is Michael Jr. He's a uh, Christian mm-hmm. comedian. He gave an interview that I saw, and he said something in there that's been powerful and has stuck with me ever since. And he said, laughter is the tangible evidence of hope. Uh, and I'm like, mm-hmm. he nailed it uh, yeah. because if you can laugh – it means that there's hope like cracking through the burdens and, and the and frankly the lies of the enemy that have weighed us down but in the other half of that verse where it says uh a broken spirit or you know from the nlt version but a broken spirit yeah. zaps a person's strength that's so true if you have a broken spirit if you are carrying the weight of the world uh carrying um all the stresses that, that this world puts on us it saps your strength. And if your spirit is broken because you don't feel the hope or the joy or the love of God, um, it, it can drain you. And that's where depression sets in is because when you're down in this, it's almost like your cell phone. If if you allow your battery to get completely drained and stay completely drained, it gets to this point, we can only get this much charge. So your yeah. battery, the battery of your cell phone kind of gets into an electronic depression our hearts and our spirits can get that same way if we're constantly down and we and all we can remember emotionally is being down because our spirit is crushed our spirit is broken and that's why a joyful heart or laughter depending on your translation can be the best medicine because it kind of resets that battery to where you can be in a better place and you can find energy to do the things that will get you out of that place permanently yeah i think that's that's the start of where you might be able to identify if you're struggling you know like speak to our listeners now about the signs and symptoms that someone and even themselves uh, may be struggling with with this broken spirit with this depression what are what 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 you know what does that look like well and, and that's the the hardest part especially for somebody that suspects it if you suspect a friend or family uh, member ha- is suffering it's hard because each case is different there are no blanket answers so don't think that a b and c has to happen for them to be depressed or don't think that because they have a b and c they are you have to know them and uh, a few of the things that can clue you in to pursue investigating uh people that uh usually don't get a lot of sleep it's either because they're wrestling with the weight of the world or they're up late um trying to convince themselves to get up the next day so if you see somebody that's constantly exhausted it's either because they're choosing not to sleep because of their battles that they're fighting at night or it like the the scripture says their broken spirit is just sapping their strength Mm -hmm. so look for that as a sign uh look for somebody that does that uses humor especially self-deprecating if they're Mm -hmm. constantly making fun of themselves it's possibly because they want to be you to make fun of them and they want to make a joke of how little they think of themselves. Mm. Uh, so that is—it's it, a sign. But again, none of these are blankets. Some—you know—depression looks differently with each person. Um, one telltale would be is if you are in a, a relationship, whether it's a friendship, marriage, 
or something where there is supposed to be a level of intimacy. And biblical intimacy is not about sexual relationships. It's about being that closeness that, yeah. you know, Jesus had intimate friendships with those three disciples that he brought up onto uh, the, the transfiguration. Those were his closest, most intimate friends. So intimacy is not about sex, but it's about being close, vulnerable. And if you're in a relationship with somebody, whether it's a friendship, marriage, dating, and there's a wall, even in that intimate relationship where you can't get past it, that may be a telltale sign that they're hiding a depression or feelings of suicide or something. And when you find that wall, out of love, continue to bang on that door and try to get past that wall and find out what they're hiding. Um, we had a friend, um, I won't say his name in case he watches it, uh, but he was acute. They'd say his name and say, you have your name face on, meaning, so like if it was me, they'd say, you have your day face, which is the, the mask to hide what's behind it. And, you know, we would say, what's actually going on? Take off the, the mask and tell us what you're really feeling. Because, you know, they'd give the patent Christian answers like, how you doing today? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm good. It's like, uh, blessed and highly favored maybe once in a while. But sometimes you got to <laughs> give us a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, so I'd say if you have trouble getting past that wall and you can't really get them to open up, Find a way to privately and not over text, not over a phone call, uh, preferably not even via, you know, StreamYard or anything or Zoom or yeah. anything else. Yeah. Be with them and just look them in the eyes and say, hey, are you struggling? Uh, is there, you know, are you depressed? And sometimes they may get offended. I'm like, no, I'm fine. But if you're in that close relationship where you have the credibility to ask those questions, they'll appreciate that you care enough to ask, even if they're not. But yeah. They may also be afraid to admit it. So and that's what's so hard about it uh, is because there, it's there's no blanket. Yeah. Um, the only thing you can do is love and try and and ask. Sometimes yeah. the shock of asking somebody straight up, face to face, eye to eye, maybe it'll be enough for them to crack them and be like, "Yeah, you know what, I am." Yeah. And sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it, it's this giant bubble. It just takes one little pinprick and it'll it goes away. Yeah. Other times it's a much thicker balloon and you're gonna have to find a few spots to go after before that pops. But that's the beauty of intimacy and being uh, intimately related with somebody is that you can start seeing like this isn't adding up. Uh, another thing is if somebody gets really bad news or goes through a really tough time and they seem to recover a lot quicker than you would think they would like a death and they're like oh they're they're okay now there are a lot of christians that are okay like if my mom dies or whatever they're like oh she's in heaven i can recover quickly but usually there's a still a mourning period but if their mourning period seems really really abbreviated it's because it's been com compartmentalized in the point of oh this is just another thing that i have to go through so it just adds to that negative self-image like, oh, this is this just happens to me. It's it's usual. Uh, so, you know, that's that's a good sign of they're still wrestling with something deeply inside because this new stimulus didn't take place, you know, didn't cause the reaction that you'd expect. But again, you know, I'm speaking from my experience and the things that I've been through, things I've seen. Nobody's depression is the same as the other. It takes being willing to go into battle to pull them out of this dark place hmm. and if you love somebody enough it's going to be worth it because having arguments and fights and back and forth trying to pull them out is so much more valuable than trying to 
come up with a eulogy. Yeah. Yeah. Well said that that's that's really good, Dave. Thank you so much for those points. And we because we probably all know someone or we've struggled with it ourselves. And so but tell me, um, as we kind of bring our time to a close here, what are some of the inspirations for your humor? Uh, if somebody's interested in maybe coming and seeing you, what are they going to get at a show uh, where Dave and, and the rest of the troop there? Uh, what, where's your inspiration come from? A lot of my inspiration, because um, I, I former pro wrestler, so I like being physical on stage. Not not necessarily with my partners, because my team is me and four women. So uh, being a married man and them being women, much smaller, I cannot do the physical stuff yeah. with them. Uh, but Chris Farley is a huge influence. I really love Chris Farley. Yep. Just you know the excitement, the energy, uh, the seeming unpredictability, and then I also really love John Candy because. Yep. Uh, he was more laid back and more intelligent humor. Yeah. Uh, not to say that he didn't go blue because he did, but it wasn't like in your face, like gross. It was just adult. Sure. And he was very, I hate, I don't want to sound geeky, but he was cerebral in his humor. It was very yeah. funny. It was very thoughtful. Uh, and I love Uncle Buck. I loved uh, him as Del Griffith in uh, Plane Trains Automobile. Yeah. So those two guys really are the big influences as far as me because yeah i'm a tall heavyset white guy and you know it's like these these guys paved the way for me that's right sure so do you have any shows you're in the the chicago area of course tell us about uh, any uh, any upcoming appearances that you might have sure um at the end of the month uh october 30th and 31st i'll be doing a guest appearance at gutty's comedy club it's down in greenwood indiana uh just south of indianapolis and gutty's is a um, it's a clean comedy show uh comedy theater Everything that comes through there is going to be clean, family-friendly. They want families to come out together and enjoy comedy. The two guys that own it, uh, Steve Rivera and Dennis Tooley, are great Christian guys that that are using this as kind of an undercover ministry because they want people to come in, uh, whether they're backstage, on stage, or in the theater, to be able to have fun and have that experience of, I don't have to check to make sure if it's okay to laugh because this is this is clean so anybody that's in the indianapolis area uh halloween weekend i'll be there uh guest appearing with their uh, improv team their uh house team improv aesthetics um but if you're in the area and you can't make it halloween weekend every weekend they're going to have great clean comedy that's there for families to come together because you're not going to be able to almost anywhere to bring your kids to a comedy show unless it's a kids comedy show and then you know the parents are sitting there like do they serve anything harder than dr pepper here (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah gutty's comedy club uh greenwood indiana i'll be there in at the end of october uh well-versed comedy we have our uh we did a tv show uh last year that's on um it's currently on 24 flicks it's on um uh, creative motion network on roku and it's also going to be on uh, 360tv.com uh it's a it's kind of a not a parody but it's kind of a spin off the idea of whose line is it anyway yep but we know because we're christians that it's his line so yeah uh look for his line and as far as live performances we're illinois based and 
uh, I don't know when we'll be free to really get back in the theater sure. and yeah. stuff. So uh, well, yeah, find us and uh, we'd love to, uh, yeah, love to see you whenever we're able to get out there. Absolutely, Dave. Thank you so much for that. Well, there you go, folks. Here's a guy who has been through some some tough things in his life, but he's uh, he's allowed God to use that. And now he's in the world, but he's not of the world. Uh, it's Dave Eberts and he and his well-versed improv comedy group and his Gifts for Glory podcast. Brother, thank you for being on the show today. It's been great to meet you. Uh, it's been great. And um, if I could just take another 30 seconds. Sure. Quick. Yeah. Uh, my email address, uh, Dave at gifsforglory.com. I have that available as contacting for uh, anything related to comedy, to book me for maybe coming to your church. But the most important reason I give that email out is if there's anybody that picks up this podcast or this video and you're struggling where the same way I was, you're in a deep, dark place and you're considering suicide. I don't want to preach at you. I'm not going to throw a bunch of scripture at you. I just want to listen to you and be there for you. Uh, you can email me anytime it comes to my phone. Uh, if it's in the middle of the night, give me a couple hours to wake up, but I will respond as soon as I get it. Uh, but I want that email to be available to you if you just need to vent. If you need to have just verbal diarrhea and let everything out, you don't think that you have to filter it. If you need to curse to express your feelings, fine. I, I just want to be there for you, uh, listen to you, and see what we can work out together. But if you feel alone, you're not alone. That email address is for you. Absolutely, Dave. That's very deep and it's very kind of you. Thanks so much again. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Next week on the Encouragers United podcast, I get the chance to speak with Tom Garrenser. He's the author of a soon-to-be-published book called I Can't Do It Without You, God. It's his story of the power of prayer to transform our lives. He has a rags-to-faith-to-riches story about a failed marriage and a failed career, turning back to God, learning to pray, and then watching God work miracles in his heart, his family, his career, and his whole well-being. You won't want to miss it. I started to realize, well, maybe maybe this faith in myself was misguided, but maybe, you know what? I'm missing the forest for the trees right in front of my face this whole time has been this person who nothing is impossible for, who loves me, who wants me to enjoy this creation. Hey, why don't I rely on that person? Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of the Encouragers United podcast with Charles R. Grimes. For more information and to connect with optimistic, enthusiastic leaders all over the world, be sure to search for Encouragers United on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, or visit our website, charlesrgrimes.com.